Your Money Replay from Money FM 89.3. Influence with Michelle Martin on Your Money, only on Money FM 89.3. Apps are key to businesses. They've cemented their lead as the go to, the necessary hallstones, shall we say, for commerce, content, communication, and so much more. Media company Comscore says mobile apps now account for over 80% of all time spent on mobile. And it seems unlikely that that figure is going to go down anytime soon. So we thought we'd take a look at mobile app usage and what specific generations are looking to apps for. Gen Z apparently more likely to subscribe than to buy via an app. We're going to take a closer look at a brand new report that looks at app usage across 11 countries in Asia Pacific. And joining me live now is Shiraz Kabir, Head of Sales APAC at Liftoff. Shiraz, good morning. Hi, Michelle. Morning. Thank you for joining us. Before we dive deep into your report, perhaps you can share with us a little bit about what Liftoff does. So Liftoff uh, is a company that um, that helps introducing brands to its most loyal and valuable users. These brands typically are mobile app-first brands. Examples could be Shopee, Grab, Gojek, Food Panda, etc. Any business that has its presence front and center on the mobile app front. Okay, so you've created this report that helps us understand sort of apps that are popular, particularly in Asia. Let's start there. What do Asians seem to love when it comes to apps? And is it gaming apps that we're talking about? Oh, Asians love apps. Gaming, there's a lot of non-gaming that's that's growing. Uh, if we look at, at our, our report, and a couple of things that really jump out from an Asia standpoint is first impressions count. Yeah. Amongst the set of countries that we have profiled, some of the Asian countries have the highest day one retention rates. A retention rate is a metric that's measured by a user who continues to use the app over a period of time. Mm. So from a day one standpoint, APAC rates at about 25%, which is amongst the highest. Some countries in Asia Pacific are a lot higher than this 25%. Typically, when users consume an app, they are able to interact with the app and understand if it serves their needs or not. And in Asia, people give it time. But they are very ruthless about uninstalling an app also if it doesn't make sense for them. And that's how they get to the set of apps. Those are pretty much daily apps for them. Ah. And a few apps that they kind of continue to experiment with and see if they want to keep on the phone. Or okay, not. so what's hot in Asia in terms of types of apps? I would say Grab is something that we use pretty much on a daily basis for food and ride hailing. Mm. Uh, when it comes to shopping, most of our shopping in Singapore is by Shopee and Lazada. There is also Chope, which is making a big push into the segment in Singapore where you can book restaurants online, get deals for restaurants, and so on. And there's a lot of disruption happening in this place. If you look at Circles.life. Yes. So they've come into a very traditional sector and disrupted that sector, and they're giving tons of GB away for hardly $20. And this is, in fact, opening up the OTT space that's over the top, what you call is video streaming, music streaming. Earlier, it was a fairly niche service, but now you have tons of players in that local as well as international making a foray into Singapore. View is a local player driven by PCCW, and then you have the Amazon Primes, the Netflix of the world, and so on. Very interesting that this increase in data that more of us have our hands on is leading to particular sort of apps that we like, more video streaming apps, or people being able to interact with apps beyond the usual day-to-day apps, that what you're saying? 
I think there is disruption waiting to happen. I think the only constant that's going to be is disruption and it's going to be faster and faster as we move ahead into 2020 and the decade beyond. IoT is yet to hit us. 5G will make an entry in Singapore this year or the next and with 5G coming in IoT that's internet of things mm. the chairs that we're sitting in the fridge that we use the air conditioners that we use the TV that we use are all going to be connected to the internet that will be connected to one app so you can imagine the kind of content and the consumption increase that's going to happen on the back of that plus there will be other sectors that have been fairly traditional or have been more non subscriber non on demand based mm-hmm. which will come into the realm of let's say the likes of ride hailing which have been traditional taxi service that that come on demand you will see a lot on the real estate health fintech and so on uh breaking into this space okay i want to track back to what you mentioned earlier and you said you know singaporeans are pretty much ruthless when it comes to apps and i get that you know if an app is not working for me it's deleted off my phone because it's very precious space on my phone but apparently uh, people over in japan are very loyal when it comes to their apps and app usage tell us more it's a lot more of a mature market i would say in a market like singapore or southeast asia there are tons of local homegrown players as well as international players coming in users have a lot of choice Yeah. But then how many news apps will you have on your phone? You might have one app for local news consumption, one for international, one for politics, maybe and one for entertainment. Mm. But you're not going to have more than 3 4 apps. So there is choice that you have and then you cull that choice and then you get to the score list of apps that you would use on a daily basis. Japan's a lot more of a mature market. People have been through that life cycle. and then they've come one is the availability of of apps out there and second is user preferences if you look at southeast asia it's the fastest growing internet region in the world we've mm. added 10 million users new users last year currently the southeast asian internet economy is 100 billion dollars slated to go, grow to 300 billion dollars in 2025 now as that happens there are more services that are going to come in that maturity is going to come in and then we are going to pick one or two and then start really engaging with those services and those apps are going to make a lot of money from this user base okay let's make the businesses listening in really happy with a question for an expert on apps for you now what do you think app developers or businesses need to do to improve loyalty uh, so that users continue using their app if you look at our report it says day 1 retention rates are the highest then it starts to taper down and that's natural people are going to experiment with the app and then they might not like what they see or they might have three four new apps and then they need to be brought back day 3 the drop off is further by day 7 pretty much on an average 50% of the users drop off so reengagement of the user either by organic means or non organic means to tell them that hey this is the usp of the app please come back that is pretty important second like you mentioned users are pretty ruthless so the first impressions count so when a user downloads the app it's got to be seamless it's got to be fast it's got mm. to be efficient it's got to give the user what was advertised on the ad so if the onboarding is smooth it's fast there's personalization so an app opens it says hey michelle welcome you're going to be a lot more happier than a very standard onboarding onboarding screen two other things the online first or mobile first world is all about data everything that you do is captured and analyzed yes 
people should be looking at data to understand drop off rates mm-hmm. and be continuously ab testing and beta testing and learn from every data point that comes in so this is what the developers should be doing to stay ahead of the pack okay so now i understand why so many apps talk to me all the time and entice me to come back with free things especially via notification so i suppose apps that override because users can turn off notification mm-hmm. from apps that means your app can't talk to you and entice you to come back to it so apps that are more successful I suppose at talking to users and getting them re-engaged at day three and day seven are going to do better. You raise a very good point. Notification also have to be respectful of the user's privacy. On day one, if I bombard you with 20 messages, you're going to turn off the notification. <laughs> so True. one needs to be very, very careful about how they have that conversation. So, you know, time your notifications, don't do it on day one, maybe do it on day three. But notification will only serve a certain purpose. I think there also needs to be an external re-engagement medium through advertising. And this advertising can be dynamic. Mm. This advertising can take into account all what the user has done within the app. So if I have browsed for certain shoes or certain kinds of food, the re-engagement ads should be talking about stuff that I have browsed. And potentially, what could be of interest to me with all the data that they've collected? So there are upsells and cross-sells that can happen within this re-engagement ad. It's paid advertising, and that's one of the critical services that Liftoff offers. Okay, nice plug there for Liftoff. (laughs) Before I let you go, we've got a minute left on the clock. You say non-gaming apps are likely to drive the next wave of app growth. Tell us about what these non-gaming apps are. Oh, there's a lot of disruption that's waiting to happen to traditional industries like real estate. Uh, it can be health. Uh, one of the big things that will happen in 2020 is in Singapore, there are 21 digital banking licenses that have been put in That's and only two can be granted. So I think the likes of, I would say, Grab, Shopee, uh, and Financial, Xiaomi, everybody's thrown their hat in for the fintech play. So those apps are going to make a huge push into users' phones. So fintech is going to be one big thing. Mm-hmm. Ride-hailing disrupted travel. But I've also heard about certain European services where Porsche is giving a subscription service where they say, don't buy your car. Yes. Right. For a monthly fee, you can have a choice of 10 different cars in a year. You can just drive in, pick up a new cargo, use it for three months and come back. They'll take care of insurance. Yep. They'll take care of servicing, 24 by 7 road assistance and so on. Mm. Um, so there are disruptions waiting to happen. It's just that certain industries, it's happened faster. And certain are waiting to happen, but ultimately it'll touch pretty much every industry out there. So fintech and probably subscription services. Health would be also one thing. And health. Which will get disrupted. I wish we had more time to pick your brains. It's been absolutely fascinating. Thank you for helping us understand uh, what's big and what we can expect in 2020 when it comes to the mobile race. Shiraz Kabir, Head of Sales APEC at Liftoff. Shiraz, have a great day. Thank you, Michelle. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.